right into this to the studying of the word this morning. We are in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And if you don't have a Bible with you this morning, we'll have uh, Justin and Scott come forward with the Bibles and just flag them down and uh, we'll get a Bible in your hands uh, to help you follow along with us today. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We are in part three of our spiritual gifts study, and uh, we have a few more weeks that the Lord will have us on this topic as we go from uh, chapter 12 uh, through chapter 14. And uh, before we dig in today, let's pray. Lord, I just uh, am excited and full of anticipation of what you want to do uh, today and in the weeks to come as we just endeavor to understand the spiritual realm, to understand the Holy Spirit, to understand the gifts of the Spirit, the filling of the Spirit, the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Lord, uh, you say that you don't want us to be ignorant concerning spiritual things. And so, Lord, um, whatever we have that we bring today that uh, is past education or past learning or things that are hindering us from what you'd have uh, in taking us forward. We pray that we would lay these things aside uh, and just bow our hearts, bow our minds, bow our knee to the authority of your word. We pray that we wouldn't be afraid, Lord, uh, but that we would be open to all that you have for us. Uh, Lord, we want to uh, have the, the wonderful tether and boundaries of the scripture in our understanding of, of spiritual matters. And so we pray that you would not only uh, give us a good safety net, but also wonderful understanding today. Uh, we, we would ask for power today. We would ask for giftings today. We would ask for you to reveal yourself uh, and manifest yourself today through this teaching and through our worship time, that you might be glorified, that the church might be edified and built up, and that this world might be one for you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to start out this morning with uh, sharing 12 spiritual gifts with you as we look at spiritual gifts. I want to share 12 spiritual gifts that are not found in the Bible. First of all, this is not a spiritual gift. The ability to unwrap candy during a sermon without anybody hearing the cellophane crumble. The ability to hold a sneeze for the duration of a Bible study. You guys, are you awake? This is good. This is the best I got. (laughs) Hearing the pastor say, turn to the book of Nahum and being able to do it without turning first to the table of contents in your Bible. Clapping on beat is not a spiritual gift found in the Bible. Taking communion and passing the tray while having one arm in a sling, not a spiritual gift. Reciting the Lord's Prayer and deciding which to say, forgive us our debts or forgive us our trespasses. Pronouncing the names in the Bible genealogies, not a spiritual gift. Unlocking a car in the parking lot with a coat hanger. Matchmaking singles. Squeezing more cars into our parking lot than we have parking spaces. Interpreting two-year-olds who speak in unknown tongues. And finally, courtesy laughs for the pastor's sermon jokes. Not a spiritual gift there. Thanks. What are the gifts of the Spirit? We've been looking at these the last few weeks. We covered a few last week. We're going to look at more this week. Just some that the Scripture show us. Now, these are gifts of the Spirit, not to be confused with toys. Toys that would be played with or trophies that would be bragged about. But rather, these are tools that are given to us by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the person of the Holy Spirit, that are to be used for the kingdom of God. And as we looked last week, the effectiveness of Calvary Chapel of Crook County is directly related to you as an individual member of this congregation, of this church, discovering and implementing your God-given gift or gift sets. As one man said, spiritual gifts are divine enablements for ministry. They are characteristic of Jesus Christ that are to be manifested through the body of of Christ, the church, corporately together. 
just as they were manifest through the body of Christ incarnate. And so these are gifts. These are divine enablements for ministry. Last week, we saw that it's, it's the Holy Spirit who distributes these gifts, that he gives them as he wills, that every man who is a born-again Christian and every woman has been given a spiritual gift, if not more than one, for the purpose of edifying each other, for the common good this chapter has told us. And so as we look at spiritual gifts, we want to realize if you're born again, you've got one. If you're a Christian, you've got at least one. To each one they've been given for the profit of all. And so I hope that you've been spending that time and being diligent and asking the Lord, Lord, what have you given me that would be considered a divine, a powerful, godly enablement for the work of the ministry? The late Ray Stedman said, a spiritual gift is a capacity for service which is given to every true Christian without exception and which is something that each did not possess before he became a Christian. A spiritual gift is given to each Christian and is something we didn't have before. A survey was done that said that more than one-fifth of survey respondents claimed to have spiritual gifts that weren't mentioned in the Bible. Uh, Maybe a little more serious than the list that I just said. But people actually say, my spiritual gift is a sense of humor. I have the spiritual gift of singing or of health or of life or of happiness, patience, a job, a house, compromise, premonition, creativity. One person said, I have the spiritual gift of, tele- uh, pronouncing this right, telepathy or telepathy. I'm sorry, telepathy. ESP, all right? I, I can read your mind, all right? I've got that spiritual gift. And, and we want to be cautious not to say, my spiritual gift is either something that's not found in the Bible or something that I've just had as a natural talent By the way, ESP is not a natural talent. You can look in the Bible on that one. But it's something that God has given us since we've been born again. Perhaps is this powerful uh, thrust of a natural talent. For instance, if you were a great communicator since childhood, uh, and now God would give you the gift of teaching, you'd be able to just be a radically powerful communicator, teacher of the scriptures and of the word of God. Legitimate gifts of the Spirit are both those that are found in Scripture and also those things that are not forbidden in Scripture. They are obvious displays that the Holy Spirit has shown up. That's why this chapter has called them the manifestations of the Spirit. Uh, You see that in verse, uh, help me out here. I'm not even on the right page, which uh, is helpful when you're teaching the Bible. Uh, Verse 7 The manifestation of the Spirit, a.k.a. the gifts of the Spirit. It means God has shown up, and he will edify the church, he will mature the Christian, and he will display Christ to bring glory to God. Again, natural talents are not the spiritual gift, although God can take a natural talent that he's given you and spur it on and give it great and wonderful power. As John Calvin says, God pours forth his gifts as the sun scatters its rays in every direction. So if you're a born-again Christian, those gifts of God have been scattered out to this church, to you. And God wants you to use them for the building up of one another here at Calvary Chapel. And so we're going to continue on. Last week we looked at the word of wisdom as a spiritual gift, the word of knowledge as a spiritual gift, the gift of faith. We also looked at gifts of healings. I encourage you to listen to last week's study online if you haven't listened to it yet. We're just going to move along and look at some of the other gifts that are given to us that we see in the scripture in verse 10 today of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. To another... The working of miracles is given to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. And so just in our list this morning, we, we go from the gifts of healings to the working of miracles. This speaks of having an ability or a power or being able to have this supernatural power to do something that is not natural. It's supernatural. Working of 
miracles. We see this all throughout the book of Acts, and oftentimes it's accompanied with other gifts, such as the gift of faith. Having the gift of faith to step forward and do something radical like work a miracle as the Lord is leading you to do that. I want to look at it as an example of what a working of miracle would be in the scriptures. At Acts 13, verses 6 through 12, it says, Now when they had gone throughout the island of Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus who was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man. This man called for Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the sorcerer, for his name is translated, withstood them seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Then Saul, who's also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, O fool of all deceit and fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all all righteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? And now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately a dark mist fell on him and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand, Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had been done, being astonished by the teaching of the Lord. I mean, could you imagine being in a place where you sense this guy's a sorcerer, he's turning people away from the gospel, and the Lord leads you to use this gift of miracles and to to say something like that? I mean, it takes boldness, takes radical faith to declare something to happen like you're going to go blind right now. All right, and you won't see the sun for some time. I mean, that's like rubber meets the road type stuff, right? Uh, it's got to happen, or you know, that was obviously a false declaration. And so, the the gift of faith coupled with that brings about this dark midst to come upon uh, Elymas the sorcerer, and he was blind. Have to have someone lead him around by the hand. And what was the result of that? Look at me! Look at me! Look what I can do! I can cause people to go blind! Woohoo! You know. It wasn't for Paul's glory for him to be puffed up. It wasn't a tool to be played with. It was instrumental in the advancing of the kingdom of God. And what was the fruit from it? This proconsul, this governor of an island, sees it. It validates the gospel that Paul is preaching. And this guy believes and is born again. It's incredible. And so we see that as a pattern for what these miracles would look like. Now, here in America, we don't see these miracles as much. There's a group of Christians that would call themselves cessationists that would believe that the gift of miracles, uh, it ended, it stopped with the death of the last apostle. And it was, these were specifically given so that the, the, the word of God would be validated because they didn't have it written down yet. And so once the written scripture came, there wasn't a need for miracles or for healings or any of the sign style gifts. And, uh, and I personally, my, my view is that as you read the New Testament, you won't ever see an ending of these types of things. You don't see the Lord say, and it's done, it'll be over, you know, now, now you got to rely on this other stuff, or this is perfect, so now you don't need God to work in power. And I personally don't see that. I heard one preacher say yesterday, you've got to do exegesis origami with your Bible to make it say something that it doesn't say. Uh, and so not only do I believe the Bible confirms that God still does radical miracles, but experience shows that to be true. Even American experience shows this to be true. Uh, Maybe some of you can say, yeah, we've had radical things happen in our life that it's supernatural. It's the Lord doing something, and it brought great and wonderful glory to him. Certainly have to be careful with this gift and to see, okay, is it something that's a legitimate miracle that brings glory to God? Um, You know, Perhaps we don't see it as much in America, though, and and I don't know entirely why, but I would submit four reasons why we don't see miracles like this quite so much. Number one would be because we, as Americans, intellectualize things a bit too much. That doesn't mean that we're not to use our brains and to search the scripture and to be rational, but sometimes we just say, no, God wouldn't do this because of this. And it's nothing biblical. That's just one thing to throw out there. Secondly, we accredit so many of the 
things that God has done to the physical realm. Or we, we uh, search out the physical realm to help us out. We, we've got everything that we need here in America, and so we don't really need God so much. And so we don't look to him for miracles as often. Uh, we rely on those physical things. And perhaps there's a lack of faith or lukewarmness in our life that quenches the spirit. We see in the New Testament that we can quench the spirit of God and we can also grieve the spirit of God. And so perhaps there would be sin or there would be a lack of faith that God could do these things that would quench that. There's just a few few things that could be why in America we see this less. But if you go to other countries, there's not even a question in if God moves in this way today. Uh, In fact, Pastor Chuck Smith, who uh, was the founder of Calvary Chapel, tells the story in one of his books of a girl who didn't have enough gas to make it to church. And so she took the garden hose, stuck it to her gas tank, filled up her tank with water, started the car and drove to church. God just radically provided, uh, you know, wine out of water, gas out of water. I guess he does both, you know. And uh, Billy Graham has written, As we approach the end of the age, I believe we will see a dramatic recurrence of signs and wonders, which will demonstrate the power of God to a skeptical world. Just as the powers of Satan are being unleashed with greater intensity, so I believe God will allow signs and wonders to be performed. We should be open to the miraculous. We should be open to the miraculous. Now, I spoke earlier of a group of Christians called cessationists, people that love Jesus, love the scripture. In fact, so believe that the Bible is inerrant, just like me. That, uh, that they're just cautious. They don't want anything to erode the borders of the word of God. And so uh, perhaps they maybe go towards this end of things and just say, no, nope, we just don't even want to, we don't even want to go there. We're just going to kind of put a concrete wall up and say, nope, we're, we don't want to, to hope for miracles or look for miracles or anything like that. Because we're, we're afraid that we would compromise in some way. But as even those cessationists would say, if you go too far untethered into cessationalism, you'll just become simply a deist, believing that God exists, but he's removed himself from the world and doesn't move in power today. Uh, Even one cessationist said in a debate, he says, yeah, we need to be careful because we might become uh, universalists or Unitarian." You know, okay, so you've got an error there in untetheredness in a cessationist realm and saying, no, the Holy Spirit doesn't exist. We believe in the Trinity of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Bible, all right? And as Francis Chan wrote a book recently about the Holy Spirit, he called the Holy Spirit the forgotten God. We we forget that there are three persons in the one Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, who is not some Star Wars force, But he is God. He has a personality. He can be grieved. He has a job. He distributes gifts as he wills. He has a will. Okay? And so some people, in an effort not to be cessationists, they go clear over on this end of things and get into spiritualism and even demonism and go too far. And they get away from the scripture and the, the order that the New Testament gives us on how to use spiritual gifts. And so I believe that there's a balance in this, that yes, we need to be careful in the word of God. It's the absolute authority. It is the Supreme Court. So when we get to the gift that's coming up here today about prophecy, man, someone might have the gift of prophecy, but man, if they open their mouth and their word of prophecy goes against this book right here, I'm sorry, buddy, but Deuteronomy 18 says, we got to take you out in the street and introduce you to a crowbar. I mean, that's just the Bible right there. So you better be careful about if you're speaking the oracles of God or not. All right? We want to be careful. This is the word of God, the absolute inerrant authority for our life. On the other hand, we don't see a a taking away of these incredible gifts of the spirit that will show the spirit of God has shown up people and he's going to bring, he's going to testify of Jesus. He's going to convict the world of sin and of righteousness and judgment. He's going to edify each person in the church and build us up to a mature faith so we can go out and, and let this light of ours shine. Okay. So Calvary Chapel is often known as charismatic with a seatbelt. Okay. We're open and cautious. We want to make sure that we are using our spiritual gifts biblically, decently, and in order. 
Which moves us to this next gift, prophecy. I guess I could have just said, to another prophecy, and gone on about that. Prophecy speaks of an inspired utterance, speaking forth the heart of God. And we'll look at this gift more in chapter 14. We won't spend a ton of time today. We're also going to go back a few times and reference Romans chapter 12, verse 6. So if you have a Bible, you might just go back there and put a little slip of paper in there. Uh, because uh, over the next few weeks, and even today, we're going to go back there a couple times. Romans 12, 6. Where it says this. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given us. Let us use them. So what do we do with these gifts that God's given each Christian? Hide it under a bushel? No. Use it. Use that gift. It says, if prophecy is your gift, then prophesy in proportion to our faith. Many preachers believe this to mean not like, okay, I've got a little bit of faith, so I'm going to kind of be like, you know, I'm going to declare this little word from God for you people. You know, that's not necessarily what it's speaking about. Rather, what is our faith? declare in this book when we prophesy when we declare the heart of the lord we want to do it in proportion to our truth our faith our doctrine our belief that's what the proportion is to be in first peter 4 11 it says if anyone speaks this is actually a, a a speaking gift if you have a gift of teaching or exhorting or anything that would be verbal let him speak as the oracles of God. That means when you speak from God, man, you do your studying, you do your prayer, you look at the whole context of scripture because man, when you're gonna say this is from the Lord, you wanna make sure you're doing it as the oracles of God. And so that's why I believe as you're sharing something, it is so wise and so safe. If you believe you have the gift of prophecy to say, I feel the Lord is saying this, but test it. We're going to see that in 1 Corinthians 14. Test this, guys. Don't, I'm not saying this is the word of the Lord, you know, because what has happened so often is men have declared these things and they haven't happened. And so, man, when you say this is the Lord, you want to be careful. You know, New Testament Christianity, we won't introduce you to that crowbar, but man, we're, there's going to be some correction there and there's going to need to be some repentance for these false prophecies. We see the danger in many of the cults today. In fact, as you look at the history of Jehovah's Witnesses, the whole movement started by men that were false prophets, declaring that the end of the world, that, that Jesus Christ was coming back this day, this year. Cricket, 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 cricket. What I meant was this day next year. Cricket, cricket, cricket. The, the next year, the, the, the next year, the next year, the next year. Oh, he, he had an invisible return. That's what it was, invisible. No, 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 it wasn't invisible. No, uh, oh, oh, gosh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> no crowbars, please, you know. But you know what? That happens in Calvary Chapel movements or any movement. We want to make sure, hey, whoa, whoa. You're saying that's from the Lord? Okay, well, that actually goes against the word of God, okay? Or, man, I'm not sure that is the Lord, okay? We want to be very cautious in these things. Prophecy could be the foretelling of the future, speaking a word over somebody's life that you're to move here and do this, and this is going to happen, and this door is going to open up, perhaps. Or perhaps it's just the preaching or the teaching where we are declaring the word of the Lord, and that's what it may mean, an inspired utterance from the pulpit on a Sunday morning. We'll talk more about prophecy in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. We move on, though, in this list of gift sets. By the way, these gifts, this is not an exhaustive list that we're going through. We're going to look at some other scriptures, too. But this one we have today tells us that there's another gift called discerning of spirits. It's the ability to decide what's going on in the spiritual realm. Having the capacity to discern the source of a spiritual manifestation, whether it's truly from the Lord, whether it's truly from the Holy Spirit, or perhaps it's just from the human spirit, or perhaps it's from an evil spirit. First John chapter 4 speaks of this. He says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit that speaks up, but test the spirits to see if they're from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Guys, don't just believe any and everything, even if it's accompanied with, with, the, with the supernatural. 
all right? As we see in the scriptures, even wicked men can do supernatural things because it's demonic. And so as one commentator said, the Holy Spirit's discerners were the church's protectors. That's what this gift is used for in edifying the body. We help protect the church. Man, this guy's standing up and speaking this or this or that. And man, I just, I don't have a peace with that. You know, actually, man, there's something, we got to watch this guy or we got to watch this guy because there's something not right. The Holy Spirit's just given me discernment over that. John Owen, a, a late Puritan preacher, said that God gave a special gift of discerning spirits to contend against the mischief that's done in the church. This level of discernment. And some people might have that. Perhaps a gift that you have here today, the ability and special insight to meaning and application to the manner in a way that is similar to seen in Acts 16. Let's flip over there to Acts 16, 16 through 19. I don't know if she would agree with me, but I think my wife has this gift. And, uh, you know, I'll say, oh, this really exciting thing happened. This person came and they said this and this. Oh, it's just so great. And she's like, that's not good. I'm like, what are you talking about? They totally said all the right things. Yeah, there's an agenda behind that, you know, or that's, that, there's something wicked going on. Oh, honey, you're just, you know, and she's right almost every time. <laughs> okay, so a great gift to have in the church. Um, in Acts 16, we see this. It happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, these men are the servants of the most high God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. That seems good, right? Right? No one can say that Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Spirit, right? So this seems like a good, good gal to have along on the missions trip with you. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out of her that very hour. But when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace and to the authorities. So this would be an example of a discernment of spirits happening. Got a gal cruising along with your mission trip. These guys are Christians. They're here to proclaim to you about the most high God. Oh, I'm so glad this girl's shown up for our missions trip. You know, and just all of a sudden, get out, demon. You know, alrighty then. All right. So good to have that. And Jesus did a similar thing. You know, Jesus is in Caesarea Philippi and he has this wonderful moment where he says, who do men say that I am? Oh, some say you're Jeremiah or some say that you're Elijah or some say you're John the Baptist reincarnated. And Jesus says, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, I say that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And it's like, high moment for Peter, right? And Jesus says, hey, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. Flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but the Holy Spirit revealed this to you. Good job. Yeah, I know, guys. I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. And then Jesus says, okay, so guys, you need to know that we're on our way to Jerusalem, and I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be delivered over into the, into the hands of men, and they're going to kill me. But don't worry, in three days I'll rise again. And Peter says, not so, Lord. You will not do that. You will not go to the cross and die. Seems like a nice encouragement from Peter, right? But what does Jesus do? Get behind me, Satan. <laughs> For you are not mindful of the things of God, but mindful of the things of, of man. So there was just this, obviously Jesus has that discernment, but it shows us not everything that's just nice or a good word of encouragement, it could actually be discouragement. It could actually be from the pit of hell. And so God gives the gift of discernment as protection over the church. So it's an encouragement for us to test our life and to test our experiences that we have, even in so-called Christian denominations, and to test our encounters with the word of God. Perhaps this gift is even when you're aware of demonic things. I was in Brazil about, oh, seven years ago or eight years ago, and I uh, was standing in uh, Rio de Janeiro on this road called Botafogo, and it's just this very heavily trafficked area. There's a sidewalk about the width of my feet, and I was standing on it with eight 
high school boys in a band. We were doing some missionary work, and tra- we were waiting for our bus to come, and traffic's just just driving by really fast next to us. And all of a sudden, I look over, and there's um, a woman walking along the sidewalk, and so we kind of stand up and let her get by. And then there's a businessman in the business, you know, suit and tie. I guess that's a businessman. I don't know. Uh, coming by, and behind him is uh, a man in, in little underwear. Uh, that's it. Four o'clock in the morning, and he's got his hands in the air, and he's going, <laughs> you know, and uh, as, as he's walking, you know, down the street, I just immediately had a sense that this guy's demon-possessed, and uh, no, 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 maybe he's just, you know, schizophrenic or something, or, I don't know, and as he drew close, I go, oh my gosh, he, this demon knows that we're on a missions trip, and he's going to confront us, and as he comes along, I'm like, please walk by, please walk by. Follows, he's like breathing on the business guy's neck. He's that close to him, just ha, da, 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 and uh, walks by, and then comes up into my face, and uh, and I was just just immediately just sensed it wasn't fear, it wasn't it was just this just discernment that this was a demon, and uh, and I rebuked him. I had him leave, and he went away. And my friend was coming up out of the subway nearby. Uh, it's actually probably a block away. And he's just this very spiritual man. And he said, whoa, you, you just saw a demon, didn't you? And I was like, yeah, crazy that the Lord would give us the discernment to be able to sense those things. I pray in a world where we do have schizophrenia and bipolar and things like that, that yeah, perhaps there's the chemical imbalances, but also we would know when the Lord would have us say, you know what? This is more than something physical or medical. There's something spiritual going on. It's time to intercede. It's time to pray. Certainly not every case. But as I said before, why do we see less and less miracles in America than perhaps we do in other countries? Well, we, we give medical names to it and we dismiss it as something that's physical when perhaps the Lord would have us pray spiritually for what's going on there. Uh, to another, we have the gift of, inter- uh, of tongues. Okay, tongues, it's the word glossa here. It speaks of a language or a speech or an utterance. You read about it in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. We're going to talk more about the gift of tongues in a couple weeks as we get to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Another gift that's, that's wonderful to have whenever there's the gift of tongues is the gift of the interpretation of tongues that tells us what does the utterance mean? What does this tongue mean? mean. And uh, there's a lot to say about that. We're going to spend some more time dealing with prophecy and tongues and interpretation of tongues when we get to chapter 14, because that's what Paul does. He dives in more into that by chapter 14. Verse 11, but one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he will. So who, is, who are the ones that receive these gifts? Hey, only seminary graduates, sorry. No, it's not the case. Each one, each believer, every man, the King James Version puts it. We see that three times in chapter 12, as well in other places. Romans chapter 12, verse 6. First uh, uh, Peter chapter 4, verse 10. But something also we see is there are diversity of gifts. There are many different kinds of gifts, but it's the one spirit that works all these things, giving as he wills. We're going to jump down right now, clear down to verse 28, just to kind of keep in theme here with all the different gifts. And we're going to see some more gifts at the bottom of the chapter down at verse 28. It says that God has appointed these in the church. First apostles, secondly prophets, third teachers, After that, miracles, gifts of healings, helps, administrations, and varieties of tongues. So again, he just reiterates these gift sets. Uh, You've got apostles. It's, It's an office within the church, and it speaks of sent ones and missionaries. All right? And you've got teachers who have a spiritual gift to teach the word. Perhaps the Lord would have you realize maybe you've been given that gift, that spiritual gift, and you need to be using that in the youth group setting or in the children's ministry setting, or perhaps the Lord would be calling you to be an elder in this church and to teach the word of God. But it's a spiritual gift we see that's given to help us teach the word. It's for the edification of the body. There's another gift here in verse 28 called the gift of helps. The gift of helps, uh, so much that needs to be done, and God would give a special measure of the, the manifestation of the Spirit so that the help is done well. Um, 
I'm going to hop, hop back here and, and look at helps a little more. Oh, we'll get to it. We'll get to it in a little bit. Uh, so the gift of helps. Uh, then we have um, administrations is a gift, which could mean organization or the gift of helping with church government, uh, organizing things, perhaps accounting uh, that the Lord would give the gift of helping with those kinds of things. It's neat to be in our uh, financial board meeting this week and to just see men that just the Lord has just given wisdom and the ability to uh, use these administration types gifts so that the body could be uh, administered well. Verse 29 tells us, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles do all have the gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? Kind of a rhetorical question after all that he said is, does everybody have these gifts? No, not everybody has these gifts. God distributes separately however he wants it to be done, however he wills it to be done. And in verse 31 at the end of the chapter, he says, but earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. And so we're to des desire gifts. We're to say, okay, Lord, you give each man, each woman a gift or gifts so that we can serve each other and build up the church. So first of all, what are my gifts? I don't know. I, maybe you don't know. And so you can say, Lord, show me my gifts. Or perhaps there's a, an, an area in the church that you see lacking or missing out and God's given you a burden for that desire a gift to be able to take care of that part of the church. Perhaps there's a reason why God has shown you uh, an, an inadequate place in our church because he's saying, I've given you the gift to go fill that void. It's time for you to go and do it. So earnestly desire the best gift, the, the gift that's needed in that time and in that place. 1 Corinthians 14.1 tells us that we're to desire spiritual gifts and he says, but especially that you may prophesy. And then he goes on to show why in certain cases, prophecy would be the best gift. It's not always the best gift, but in a corporate setting, prophecy is a better gift to have than the gift of tongues. And he tells us why in 1 Corinthians 14. If you'll flip over there to Romans chapter 12, we'll see a few more of the gifts that are distributed by the Holy Spirit in the church. Romans 12, verse 4, it says, For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. So then he gets into a gift list here. If prophesy... Prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. We've covered that one. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. And so there's some here today that God would give or show you that you have the gift of ministry. Or also it could be the word of serving. Use that gift in your service. Don't try to do it on your own strength. But as Peter says, do it in the strength that God provides. You know, there's a lot of people that think, you know, okay, when you're up preaching behind the pulpit or you're doing something that, you know, it's hard to do, then you'll definitely need the Holy Spirit. But if you're more of like the vacuumer or someone that changes the light bulbs, no, nope, I can do that on my own. No, in any of our serving in the church, in any capacity, we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit, so we do it well, so we do it with joy, so we do it for his glory, so that when it's done, people say, wow, the Holy Spirit was showing up there. In all of our ministering to one another or ministering within the church, we need the Holy Spirit. Ask for an extra measure of the Holy Spirit in your ministering. He who teaches in teaching, we've covered that, that teaching is a spiritual gift. And as we read these lists, just ask yourself, maybe especially if you don't know what your gifts might be, say, Lord, gosh, would you give me the gift of teaching? Or maybe you would feel the Lord say, hey, ask for this, seek me for this, or I want to give it to you today. Verse 8 tells us there, he who exhorts in exhortation. 
If God has given you the gift of exhorting people, then use that gift when you're exhorting people. Exhorting means to spur somebody on to do something. It's similar to encouragement, having the gift of encouragement. We see that in the book of Acts in a man whose name was, uh, wasn't it, Joseph? And uh, he got the name Barnabas as his nickname, which means son of encouragement. That, that was his gift, is, is encouraging people or exhorting people. Do you guys think of anybody in your mind? You're like, man, that person has that gift. Maybe God would give you it today. He who gives with liberality. Interesting that giving is a spiritual gift. And everybody's called to give as Christians, but some people, God has given them the means and the resources and the heart and, and this gift of the Spirit so that when they give, it's with liberality. It's with a great measure and abundance so that it's obvious God has shown up to provide. It's a supernatural desire and ability to give liberally. We also see there in verse 8, he who leads with diligence. And so, man, perhaps you're, you would just notice, man, I have this like leadership ability. Maybe that's a spiritual gift. I need to seek the Lord about that some more. Or uh, perhaps you're, you are looking to or feeling a call to be an elder. As the Bible says, that's, that's a good thing. If you have a desire to be an elder, that's a good thing. You should ask the Lord for a gift of being able to lead. And leading in your ministry area with the power of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Excuse me. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. And interesting that mercy or compassion is a spiritual gift. And that when you show mercy, you're, you're cheerful about it. You're not Debbie Downer. Oh, you've really screwed up again this time. Oh, well, at least I'm here for you, you know. You know. But no, man, when you come on the scene to help in this area, whether it's just, man, someone who's in poverty, someone who's lonely, someone who's messed up in sin, you're able to come in with compassion and with mercy and uh, point them to Jesus and helping them with their hurts or their weaknesses. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 12, give us some more of the gifts and show us more of the gifts. <clears throat> says, he himself gave some to be Apostles, so that's sent ones, that's missionaries, uh, some prophets, some evangelists. And so here we have a new gift that's shown, someone who has the gift of heralding the gospel. Just everywhere they go, they're like, man, this is an opportunity to, to, to share the gospel. This is an opportunity to share the gospel. Over here, over there, man, you wake up in the morning and you're just like, got to go share the gospel. I want to go share the gospel. I want to tell someone, you know, not afraid you just seem to have that extra measure of the spirit and boldness to do that. And, uh, and maybe that's a gift that you have. And it's uh, certainly for the edification of the body. I uh, believe that the Lord has given me this gift. And there's just many times that the Lord says, go over there right now and just share the gospel with boldness. Uh, last week, we had the free Christmas bazaar down at the school and just... Just sensing the Lord wanted to do something and sharing the gospel with these people. And I showed up and there was a line of a couple hundred people. And I'm like, how am I going to stand here and people going to hear me? I just feel like I'm just supposed to declare the gospel. And the Lord's like, go get in your pickup and back your pickup right up to these people and stand in the back and start preaching it. You know, and I was like, okay. You know, people are like, what is this guy doing? They were afraid I was going to run into him. Hop in the back and just start preaching the gospel. And the Lord used that. And, uh, and so, you know, the gift, it's more than just every Christian is supposed to share the gospel, okay? Every Christian is supposed to share the gospel. But for some, he's given gifts like a Billy Graham or a Greg Laurie, you know, so that when they do it, God gives them the power to do it. And we see that the result is one that shows obvious power there. Um, so uh, evangelist gift. They're also in Ephesians 4. Some are given the gift of being pastors and being teachers, uh, and for the purpose of equipping the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. We, uh, so one thing that I did share with the Free Christmas Bazaar that I mentioned last week, uh, and, you know, Lord, what would you have me share to this group of people who've been here since 4.30 in the morning, they're freezing, they're waiting for this door to open, and uh, the people in the front by the door, they're like, it's like Black Friday at Walmart for them, you know, they're screaming at each other, this person cut, this person cut, get back people, we're opening the door in five minutes, you know, it's like, okay, how are we going to share the gospel, okay, 
I'm going to drive my truck up on them. You know, um, <clears throat> maybe that wasn't a good idea. I don't know. Added to the tension. I was able to preach to these people that this isn't about just getting a bunch of stuff, getting a bunch of presents. I just got to get a bunch of presents. I got to give presents, get presents, mostly get presents, you know. But I declared to them, it's about the present. It's about who Paul says is God's indescribable gift to us, Jesus Christ. He's a gift to the world that we might be saved from our sins. And I was able to declare to them that, that God wants you to have that present, that gift of eternal life found in Jesus Christ. But not only that, he wants to give you here today the gift of the Holy Spirit. And in Peter, preach, Peter's preaching in Acts chapter 2, he, he speaks of that. He says, repent, repent and turn from your sins. And, and he says, times of refreshing will flow from the throne of God. And he says, and he's given the, the gift of the Spirit to all who would believe. The gift of the Spirit. That you might not be orphans going around, well, Jesus ascended. I guess I'm on my own now. What? I don't know what to do. I don't know. No power. No. Jesus says, it's better that I ascend, that the helper would come, the Holy Spirit, and he will be with you. And he will declare, he will point to Jesus. All the things that I've taught, he will help declare. He's going to bring to remembrance the things to say. Sometimes he's just going to say it for you. Don't worry, you won't be orphans. The gift of the Holy Spirit. And we see that in verse 13. We're not going to have time to get to it today. But we see that it's by the Spirit that we drink the Spirit. It's a gift that we would have the indwelling Holy Spirit. That when we're born again, we receive that gift of Jesus and forgiveness of sins and salvation from our sins, that the Holy Spirit comes into us, the Bible tells us, and seals us, and it shows us as a guarantee of our salvation. All right, so just like you would close an envelope, all right, you put the money in there, you put the gift in the envelope, you've got Jesus, you put the gift in the envelope, you close the envelope, then you get that wax stuff like the old knights in shining armor and the kings and Robin Hood and you guys know what I'm talking about. All right, the seal on the envelope. It's a guarantee. This is legit stuff inside here. The Holy Spirit does that. He, he fills us and he seals us as a guarantee of our salvation. It's a gift. The gift of the Holy Spirit. God is, God is big on gifts, you guys, and it's perfect because it's Christmas time, so you need to learn this. But like we learned last weekend as I preached to these bizarre, not bizarre people, but people at the bazaar to get <laughs> presents. I'm a bizarre person. You know that by now if you know me at all. But I shared with them, God also wants to give you gifts of the Spirit so that you can not just live for yourself, but so that you can edify the church, so that you can build up one another, that you can be useful for his kingdom and for his people. So God is in this business of giving gifts we're going to look more in the weeks to come about how how he wants us to use those gifts and how he wants us to be confident in those gifts as we go back to first uh, corinthians chapter 12 if you if you flipped away from there at all it's interesting that that gift of helps is mentioned uh throughout Romans 12, and we, we see that gift of ministry and service. And I like what Charles Spurgeon said about the gift of helps. I think a lot of Christians say, I've got the gift of helps. You know, I haven't really raised anybody from the dead recently or had a car levitate or anything like that, you know. So, but I, I do like to lift things and pack things, and maybe God's given me the gift of helps. That's great. But the gift of helps goes beyond just, you know, being the guy to show up on moving day, which, by the way, is a wonderful gift. I think some of you have that. I'll show up with a U-Haul and a dolly and my forearm forklifts, and we're going to load that stuff. Praise God. Holy Spirit's shown up. But I like what Spurgeon says about the gift of helps, that it kind of goes beyond even the moving ministry. He says, it strikes me that they were not persons who had any official standing, but that they were only moved by the natural impulse and the divine life within them to do anything and everything which would assist either teacher or pastor or deacon in the work of the Lord. They are the sort of brethren who are useful anywhere, who can always stop a gap, and who are only too glad when they find that they can make themselves serviceable to the church of God in any capacity whatsoever. 
I think that shows just that gift of helps in action. Just however I can help, man, put me in. I'm going to do it with joy. I'm going to do it with power, man. I want to serve. If you've ever read Pilgrim's Progress, Christian is his name. He's on a journey to the heavenly city, the celestial city. And as he starts out on his journey right away, he comes to a swamp called the Sloth of Despond. And he sinks, and he's with two other guys that are fickle, and they end up running away and not following after the Lord. That's the picture that's being given there. And he goes into the swamp, and he's like, well, guess I'm going to die. And along came a man in the story, and his name is Help. And here comes Help, and he pulls this guy up out of the miry clay, and he shows him that if he were to look in this sloth, kind of through the fog, he'd see these stepping stones. And he helps this person find the stepping stones and make his way through the sloth of despond. That's kind of a picture of the, uh, the gift of help in action. Spurgeon also said some of the qualities of someone who has this gift is, first of all, they have a tender heart that really cares. Secondly, they have a quick eye to see the need. They have a quick foot to get to the needy. I think, I'm not bragging, I just feel the Lord in, in the ministry that he's put me in. He's given me the gift of helps. And one thing that he's always spoken to me about being in the ministry and being in service and being, you know, part of serving God is to look around and see what needs to be done. And if there's something gross that needs to be done or if there's something heavy that needs to be picked up, the Lord just always moved on my heart. Man, I want to do that so that somebody I love doesn't have to do that. A toilet's backed up. Oh, um, I got to go check the mail, you know. It's like, man, I don't want anybody else to have to... I'm going to do that, you know, uh, having that type of a heart. He, he see, we're looking for the need if you have the gift of helps, and you're on it. You jump on it. You kind of push the other people out of the way so that they don't have to do it. I think that's a gift. Okay, pushing people. <laughs> they have a quick foot to get to the needy. They have a loving face to cheer the needy and to bless them, a firm foot so they will not fall themselves, and a strong hand to grip the needy with as well as a bent back to reach the man. And so as we close today, it's important to note that there are diversities of gifts, okay? There are differences of ministries. There's a lot of, it's a, it's a kaleidoscope of gifts within the church. And one man might have the gift of teaching and so might another man, but it's different the way that they're going to operate. I might not be, you know, there's a guy my age, actually a year younger than me, and we kind of have a same testimony of how we were you know, raised in the church and in youth group and using our gifts. This guy's name is Levi Lusco. And man, this guy, he's gone every weekend preaching somewhere. I don't know how he even pastors the church. He's a pastor and he's preaching places every week. And he's an evangelist and he's on the Billy Graham crusade. And I'm like, I've got, I've got the gift of evangelism. I've got the, you know, but God hasn't called me to do that. And praise God, he's called Levi to do that. It's gonna look different for Levi than it does for me, than it does for, for different people. So look at your gifts and don't be discouraged. It doesn't have to look like Kendra up here on the piano or Chad rocking the drums. It doesn't have to look like Cheryl, you know, setting up the maintenance ministry schedule. But God will show you what to do. And he, he encourages you, encourages you to dive in and to do it. Not everyone's an apostle. Not everyone has the gift of helps. Not everyone has the gift of healing. Not everyone speaks in tongues. But your job today is this, okay? Earnestly desire the best gift. We're going to have the worship team come on up. I can see the, the cogs in your brains are like, we're done here. <laughs> okay, and that's okay. That's good. We're going to go. We're going to meditate on this. This is the stuff we've been talking about in our core groups. Your job is to earnestly desire the best gift. Lord, what gift would you have for me? In my circles, in, in our church, in our community, what would you have me do? You've given me these things. I want to use them earnestly desire a gift. That's an okay thing to do. And realize if you're a Christian, if you're not a Christian, if you're not born again, you haven't been given gifts yet. You might be very talented, but you haven't been given spiritual gifts because you haven't been born again and received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And perhaps you need to be born again today and receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, that you could be a little Christ in the world. He wants to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit and he wants to give you the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We're going to close there. You can put your Bibles aside. And maybe just where you're at today, you would just be real with God. 
All of these wonderful things to hear about, people that are helpful. We were at a party the other day and of uh, some non-Christian people that Lindsay works with, and, and uh, they were giving gifts. And Russell said to the, the giver of the gifts, I don't believe in Santa Claus. <laughs> and she was kind of like, oh. Well, um, she said, I believe in being good to people. And he goes, yeah, but I don't believe in Santa Claus. You know, <laughs> if you do here today, I'm not trying to throw any. Okay, but here's the thing. God wants you to be more than just good to people, okay? There's a lot of people who are going to hell that have been good to people because there's a lot of other areas in their heart that are corrupt. And the Bible says that there's no one good, inherently good, just in and of themselves. I'm just an innocent person. No. If you've ever sinned, which the Bible says we all have, then you've fallen short entirely of the glory of God. And so Jesus had to come as our gift to die on the cross that we might have forgiveness, a free gift from God, forgiveness, found in Jesus. And Acts chapter 4 says, there is no other name under heaven by which man must be saved but the name of Jesus. So I'd encourage you as we close today to call in the name of Jesus for salvation and you will find times of refreshing flowing upon your life from the throne of God. And he wants to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he wants to give you gifts today. But don't put the cart before the horse. Give me gifts. I want to prophesy. Hey, you'll be like that girl following Paul around. I'm prophesying. Well, it's a demon, actually. And God wants you to be prophesying in the power of God. Let's pray. Just with a heart of prayer right now, we want to be so quick to never leave church the same way we came in. Every time we come together, God wants to change us and transform us. He's taught us here today. We've read of some of the gifts that the Bible declares so that the church could be profited and built up and edified so that we could become mature believers, understanding truth, and every gift is important. We're going to study that the next time we're in 1 Corinthians 12. Every gift is important. The gift that he's given you is important. But if you're here today, I, I plead with you. The gift of Jesus is the first thing you need. And he is free. He is available right now to anyone who would call on him in humility and in brokenness of heart and say, God, I know that I'm a sinner and I have stolen, I've disobeyed, I've lusted, I've coveted, I've been angry, I've been bitter, I've gossiped. I haven't obeyed in the things you've told me to do and I've fallen short, but I thank you, God, that your mercy is here right now for me. Forgiveness is here right now for me in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And so I receive Jesus Christ right now. And John chapter one says, as many who would receive him, these he has given the right to be called sons and daughters of God. And right now where you're at, you just receive what Jesus has done, that he is God, who has come in the flesh, has lived a perfect life, and he died a death that wasn't his to die. That was on us. But he took upon him all our shame. He paid a debt that he didn't owe so that we could be called his own. And you can just receive that today by faith, by believing. Perhaps that's you today. Perhaps you're here today. And you just want more of the Holy Spirit. You want more of the gift of the Holy Spirit to be upon you, to empower you, to be bold, to be a witness. And you want more gifts to be given today. And you don't even know what your gift is, but you would ask today. As we close, just as you're ready, 
Whether it's you're receiving the gift of Jesus or you want to receive more of the Holy Spirit and you would ask for more of the, the Holy Spirit to be upon you and all of his power, you would ask for gifts to be distributed to you today. As we close in this song, just stand as you're ready, as your heart says, man, I, I don't want to leave this place the same way I came in. God has spoken to me. God has talked to me. I want to be changed. I want to receive these gifts. I want to use these gifts. You stand as you're... You've been listening to Pastor Rory Rogers, pastor of Calvary Chapel of Crook County, located in Primeville, Oregon. For more information on this ministry, or if you'd like to contribute, please feel free to write us at P.O. Box 378, Primeville, Oregon 97754, or check us out further at our website at www.calvarycrookcounty.com. We thank you so much for listening, and we pray that this ministry has blessed you.